It's always just a really brilliant thing to be part of baptisms. It's such a, a privilege and a joy to share in someone's faith journey. So uh, thank you to the three of you, but it's been a real privilege for us to be involved in that. And uh, it's one of the perks of the job, I reckon, don't you think, that you get to journey with people and see them baptised in this way and be part of celebrating faith with someone. Really, really great. Welcome to you already if you're not normally used to coming to this church or any church. We love having new people. That's good. I know the tens and overs are in as well for the summer as Sue mentioned at the beginning. So good to have you with us this morning as well for this short message. We're going to think a little bit about what's just happened. Uh, What's just happened before us this morning when the three people have been baptised. Baptism is quite a spectacle. It's a very visual thing. It's a very physical act that the person who chooses to be baptised won't ever forget. And those of us who are watching as well, it's quite a thing to watch, to choose to go down into a pool of water with your clothes on and out again. That's quite a thing to be part of. Thousands of people have done what Julia and Vanessa and Kerwin have done down the centuries. And today, on this Sunday, in church communities all over the world, there will be hundreds and hundreds of people who also are choosing to be baptised in this way and will go on doing so. People get baptised regularly and as long as there's water, people can get baptised anywhere. So you can get baptised as uh, they have this morning in indoor pools like ours, uh, under the ground, uh, under the floor here. People get baptised in swimming pools, in rivers or in streams. We've baptised people in the sea uh, on several occasions, some trips to the Witterings and have baptised people there over the years and there are more unusual places to get baptized as well imagine being a Christian in Russia and being baptized see if you fancy getting baptized in this way imagine cutting a hole in the ice before I mean there's bravery and there's bravery isn't there you think you guys were nervous come on now incredible I think Ken might have shown these pictures before of um Padre Gary Birch, he's a padre in the army, and he's baptising people out on tour in the back of their army vehicles filled with water. Baptism, however you do it, is visual, it's a spectacle, and it's a very physical act. So you can get baptised anywhere, anywhere where you can find some water. But you can also get baptised with very different stories. Every individual story of faith is very different as well. Really good for us today to hear the stories behind the people who are being baptised today. And what I love about baptism stories is that they're all so different. And of course they are. Of course they're different. Of course they vary because we are so different as people. When anyone comes to be baptised, they will have a different story because they've got a different life experience a different background, they'll come from different um, stages of life, different ages, they'll have a different experience of God and a different way of discovering what faith in God is all about. You can get baptised in different places, we get baptised with any number of different stories, but there's one common thread that weaves through them all. There's one common thread that weaves through all three of the stories we've heard today and a thread that weaves through every story of every Christian who's come to faith in Jesus and that is to do with identity. That every person who has come to know Jesus has come to know the love and the acceptance of God, the love of God, his grace, his grace shown to us so freely We don't deserve it, given to us, to everyone who wants to accept it. And that has changed our identity. It's changed who we are, 
how we see ourselves and the world. And there are lots of thoughts we could share and unpack about what the Bible says, about the ins and outs of baptism, what it means, and what faith in Jesus means. But I want us to think about this concept of identity just for a few minutes. If you've got a Bible, we're going to read about Jesus and his baptism, which is in Matthew chapter 3. If you want to grab a Bible, I don't know if somebody can tell me a page number when they found it, and we'll read that together. Nine seven seven. Nine six seven. Brilliant. Matthew three, verses thirteen to seventeen. And this is the story of Jesus' own baptism that we read together. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him... I am well pleased. So here is Jesus, who is the Son of God, who never sinned, and he comes to John to be baptized. And John basically says, No way, no way. It should be me being baptized by you, he says to him. It should be the other way around. But Jesus chose to be baptized. And he says in verse 15, Why? It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Now that word fulfill, that Greek word, means to complete, to complete, to bring righteousness to its completion. Now Jesus, of course, had been perfectly righteous for three decades when he came to be baptised, but now was the time to fulfill all righteousness, to complete it. All those years of Jesus in, in obscurity, growing up, growing into a man, learning and understanding, all those years, and now he's coming into public view Being baptised at this point, after all those years, the righteous one, all of a sudden, at this point, Jesus is identified as the Messiah, the Son of God. And he's baptised publicly as his ministry is about to begin. And we then follow Jesus' example. We who are not righteous should then do what Jesus did. There's a lovely Trinitarian moment going on here. The Son is baptised and the Father speaks and the Holy Spirit descends. I mentioned some of the things at the beginning about what baptism is all about when I said, what, you know, why would you do this? Why would you go into a bath of water? And I said it's about obedience and being cleaned up and fresh start and the Holy Spirit and all of those things are absolutely true. And they point to our identity. They point to who we are as we're baptised. Jesus' baptism is his public confirmation of his identity and his relationship with his Father God. Verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water at that moment. See, at the moment of his baptism, at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. This is my son. This is my son. I love him. 
That's what the Father says. It's a statement about Jesus' identity. At the start of his ministry, what is it the Father chooses to say? Of all the things he could say as Jesus is about to go out into ministry and share the gospel and share the news of the kingdom, what is it the Father says? He says, this is my son and I love him. Public declaration of his identity. How many of you have seen this new Toy Story film? Toy Story 4, who's seen it? Some people have seen it. I, um, I love all the Toy Story films. I haven't actually seen this one yet. My son went to see it, but he you know, went to see it with friends rather than with me. So I need to find some children to go and see this film with. Unless it's okay to go and see Toy Story 4 on your own as an adult? Yes, yes, that's completely fine. Good. <laughs> Our culture is, um, is wrestling with identity questions. You know, we live in an age where questions about who we are and self-expression, they abound. And so it's not surprising that storytellers are bringing out books and and novels and films and so on in their droves with the theme of identity as the narrative. And that's been true of the whole of the Toy Story franchise right from the beginning. Woody is uh, Andy's favourite toy. And in the first film, we see his name engraved or written, you know, in Sharpie on, on his foot. This toy belongs to Andy identity is right there at the heart of the very first film. This toy has got value because of who the toy belongs to, who Woody belongs to, because he belongs to Andy. When he's being played with by Andy, he's valuable. The purpose of all the, the toys in the playroom is to bring pleasure to the children. They find their sense of created identity when they're being played with. They fulfill their created purpose. And this identity narrative carries on right through all of the Toy Story films. And in the current film showing in cinemas at the moment is this character who's called Forky. And Forky is a toy. He's made by a little girl called Bonnie. And she's made him from a plastic spork and some clay and a pipe cleaner. What's not to love? Look at Forky. Who would want to play with him? Now, Forky believes that because he's been made from a piece of rubbish, he is a piece of rubbish. And he keeps trying to throw himself back in the bin, back in the trash can, because he thinks that who, that's who he really is. That's where he belongs. But as the film progresses, he discovers that his identity isn't actually in himself. He needs to look to his creator. He says this to Woody, why am I alive? And Woody says, you're Bonnie's toy. You're going to help create happy memories that will last for the rest of her life. Bonnie created Forky to be a toy. And so he is a toy rather than being a piece of rubbish. Our culture pulls us in all sorts of different directions. It pulls us to try and find our own identity in all kinds of different places according to any number of markers. It's in the approval of others, maybe, how successful we are, the things that we buy, the way that we look. But these identities are just so shaky. They depend on factors that are always changing. And it's exhausting trying to keep up. I want to be loved and approved of. So if I just buy the right things, act in the right way, fulfill a certain role or function, then maybe I'll be loved. But we know deep down we'll never be loved anyway in that way. Even if we can keep up with all of those exhausting cultural markers, 
When Jesus is baptised, his father says, this is my son, I'm proud of him and I love him. For Jesus, his identity and acceptance comes before any achievements or ministry. He was loved and approved of before he did anything. Imagine that, being loved and approved of before you do anything at all before heading out into the work that he was called to do. And it was gonna be a hard road, wasn't it? Road full of hardship, there was the cross at the end of it, the rejection that was ahead. What does the father do first? He declares, this this son is mine, he's mine, and I'm really pleased with him. One of the things that baptism does is it says who you are. As you stand there in the waters, there is a heavenly declaration going on about who you are, that you belong to your Father. For those of us who've decided to follow Jesus, it's God, not culture, it's God that's done the work of redefining us, redefining who we are. And it's seen so beautifully in the picture of baptism. This is my daughter, I love her, I am proud of her. This is my son, I'm pleased with him. Julia said it clearly in her story. She talked about baptism being a chance to show that she belongs to God, that she wants to follow Jesus for the rest of her life. Cohen talked about a really hard time in his background and that actually finding Jesus gave him a fresh sense of hope. Vanessa talked about the power of prayer. Jesus, her saviour, giving her saving grace, she said, This is the common thread of our stories. It's the common thread that weaves through their stories and our stories if we come to trust in Jesus, that we're loved first. And that our identity first and foremost can come from knowing that we are loved by our Heavenly Father and that He is pleased with us. That changes everything. That He has His signature on us. That He's pleased with us. And that we are loved not because of what we do or don't do, because of but because of who we are. I'm sure lots of you will know who this is. Anyone know who this is? Adam Peaty, that's right, Adam Peaty. Adam Peaty's an incredible swimmer who has dominated world swimming in the 100 metres and 50 metres breaststroke in recent years. And he's just won three gold medals at the World Aquatic Championships. And Adam Peaty's been interviewed quite a bit recently. I heard him doing quite a long interview on BBC Breakfast, but there's lots of other interviews around and about in the media about the pressure of being an elite athlete and the struggles that he's had with his mental health because of it. And he said this really interesting thing in his interview. I suffered a mental dip after winning gold in Rio 2016. They call it the post-Olympic blues. I could be on cloud nine or cloud minus nine. You live in a world of jealousy, it's not healthy. All athletes fear failure, no one can be perfect. To stay number one takes its toll on you physically and mentally. At the end of the day, I am more than a swimmer and I have to remember that. If you are a top sports person, your entire identity must completely revolve around your successes and failures, how good you are at your sport. And actually, Adam Peaty's come to realise, having had lots of mental health issues and struggling mentally, that actually what happens when he can no longer break records anymore? What happens when he retires from swimming and isn't even a swimmer anymore? That actually he is more 
than his achievements. He's more than his gold medals. He's more than a swimmer. And he says to himself, I've got to remember that. None of us will be under the same pressure to achieve as this, unless we have any closet professional athletes among us. I imagine we don't. But we do have to live our day-to-day lives. We do have to go into our Monday and live our lives. And how does this perception of our identity shape us and play out when we go into our week? We love to pigeonhole people into what they can and cannot do. Instead of seeing people in terms of who they are and who they will always be, We are more than the job we have or the role that we play. Jesus' baptism was a declaration of his identity and it was then a kind of commissioning as he was then launched into the things that God his Father was calling him to do. He worked out his day-to-day life from a place of secure identity and approval, then knowing that he belonged to his Father And that can be our story as well. Just as Julia and Vanessa and Cohen have done this morning, we can have as our story coming to a place where we are loved first. Before we do anything, we have our identity in who we belong to as God the Father speaks his declaration over us, as he radically redefines us. And then from that, we then go into all the things he's called us to do. Not because we have to achieve to be approved of, but because we are already approved of. He commissions us into our front line to love him and serve him and live for him and live like him in our Monday to Saturday places. Baptism is a tangible sign to us of what is already ours in Jesus and from which we then live. If you've never known this yourself, then you can. It may be you're here and you are a Christian, but you've never been baptised. Come and talk to us. We've got baptisms lined up in the autumn as well. It would be great to do this again. And if any of you would like to be baptised and haven't, maybe you identify with Julia. You've actually been a Christian quite a long time, but actually the time's come. Maybe you're a really new Christian and you want that fresh start you can come and be baptised. Come and talk to us, to me, or to Ken, or to any of the team. Uh, Come and chat with us. It may be that this is all very new for you, what, what this is all about, but there's something about it that you would like. Maybe you'd like to get off the cultural identity approval trap and know that you're loved before you do anything, and you can. You could do the Alpha course, which which we've talked about in the autumn, a series of discussions and input to find out a bit more. You can come and have a conversation with us. We'd love to talk to you. For every single one of us here today, we would love it if you would know that there is a Father in heaven who is pleased with you before you do anything, that your identity can be completely wrapped up in belonging to him and that we can live in the security of that, and that everything that follows comes from that. Let's pray together. Perhaps the band wants to come back, and in a moment we'll close with some worshippers' response. We've prayed for Julia and Vanessa and Kerwin, haven't we? And we'll go on doing so. But why don't we also just pray for ourselves? that this picture that baptism represents today, as we see it reflected in Jesus' baptism, that there's something of that that can be ours. And we pray, Father, you would speak to us and show us. Give us courage to ask questions, 
to take the step of baptism, to let go of the exhausting cultural rules that bind us up. We pray that you'd come and be here, speak to each one of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.